there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and you're listening to Science Versus from Gimlet. Today on the show, what is screen time doing to our kids? This past year, a lot of us have been trapped inside. And for kids, that's meant a lot of time staring at glowing rectangles, from online school to TV, games, and video chats. And parents got in touch with us to ask, How much is too much? When would you know if it's too much? Because there's been a lot of hand-wringing recently about what all this screen time is doing to the kids. Some say it's ruining their attention span and language skills, like messing with their ability to read. So how worried do we need to be here? Is it actually turning their brains to mush? And what's the right amount of screen time before it's time for the little ones to switch off? (laughs) To find out, we called up Brenna Hassinger-Das. She's an assistant professor of psychology at Pace University. And Brenna studies how kids interact with these nasty beasts. Screens. Yes, screens. <laughs> and Brenna doesn't just study this. She lives it. She's got a seven-year-old son and they've been pandemicking together. I'm living the situation now. I'm at home. I have a child at home who's doing school. And if I need to get some work done and he's done with school, is, it, is he going to spend more time on a screen? Maybe. And yeah. Brenna says it can feel kind of icky to watch a kid getting sucked in by a screen. But is it really that bad? The first worry we're going to tackle is whether these screens are screwing up kids' attention spans, making it harder for them to concentrate. Because looking at what's on screens these days, Brenna's like, it kind of makes sense that they wouldn't be great for your focus. A screen, you know, you go on a screen, you can watch whatever you want, you know, when you want it. Um, and you can switch between all kinds of things. You know, you could go, you know, I'm tired of the show. I'm going to go play an app. They're looking for that like next hit. Now, even though fears around this have skyrocketed during the pandemic, the idea of screens ruining our attention span has actually been around for decades. Back when Apple was just a fruit, people were worried that television was meddling with young minds. So, A lot of the research that we have on screens comes from TV, including one study that made a huge splash in this space. So let's start here. It begins in 1990 when this big national survey asked parents, how much TV is your toddler watching? And then the survey checked in when the kids were seven and asked their parents about attention problems. Questions like, does your kid have difficulty concentrating? Are they easily confused or restless? In the 2000s, some other nerds ran the numbers to basically see, did kids who watch a lot of TV when they were toddlers end up having more problems focusing? And they found, yeah, they did. The researchers said that for every hour of television that kids watched each day on average, it bumped up their risk of having attention problems by about 10%. 
And given how many kids were watching TV. You know, seemed seemed kind of worrisome. Right. It's, it's pretty huge. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it seemed like this is a big deal and, you know, it's something we really should be talking about. And oh boy, did people talk about this. When the paper came out in 2004, there was tons of press with headlines screaming, toddler TV time can cause attention problems and watching TV is bad for children. Since then, we've just kept hearing more and more about how screens destroy the minds of our kids. It is time for toddlers and their parents to turn that TV off. This age group should not be watching any TV or videos at all. But since that original scary paper was published, other scientists have poured over it and they realise that something didn't look good here. The original authors of that paper had picked a cutoff point for what counted as attention problems that looked kind of arbitrary. So it wasn't clear that a kid would actually have any problems in the real world. In fact, three different teams have since come along reanalyzing this data, and none of them found that watching TV when you're little ultimately messes up your attention span. In the most recent paper published just this year, the authors wrote that this claim, quote, is not robust and is unlikely to be true, end quote. And for an academic, this is basically like saying, well, that paper is a f***ing dumpster fire. Well, Brennan put it like this. These data don't give compelling evidence that television is negatively affecting later attention. When we tried to go beyond TV to the screens that kids are glued to today, we also didn't find convincing evidence to suggest that screens were ruining attention spans. And so we took another route to try to figure out if kids these days are doing worse than yesterday's kids, just generally. Like, is the on-demand screen world where you can watch whatever you want, when you want it, turning kids into impatient little rat bags? And to get to the bottom of this question, we found that some researchers have gotten rather creative. So just a few years ago, they repeated this really famous marshmallow study from the 1960s. Here's Brenner. Basically, you know, a child is in a room, they're put in a room by themselves, and they're presented with, for example, like a marshmallow on a plate. Mmm, marshmallow. <laughs> yeah. And they're told they can eat it now or they can wait until the researcher comes back in the room and then they can receive two marshmallows if, uh, if they wait. I want two marshmallows. You know, then the researcher leaves and all the while the kid is being videotaped to see what they do. And I smell the marshmallow. You know, are they going to like pick up the marshmallow? Are they going to touch it? Are they going to lick it? Are they going to nibble it? And what the researchers wanted to know is... Can today's kids, screen generation, wait as long as kids in the 1960s for their marshmallows? They actually ran a survey asking about 350 randos. Do you think kids these days will do better or worse at this marshmallow test? And 75% of them said, oh, kids these days, they'll have less self-control. Even the researchers were basically thinking, oh, we think that the, you know, it's going to be a shorter time that kids can wait. And some of this will have to do with the instant gratification that comes from uh, screens. 
But actually, they found that this wasn't the case. So, so the kids, so the kids these days in this who did the study were not eating their marshmallows as quickly on average. Right. Yep. Yep. And they averaged, I think it's like two minutes longer wait. Wow. Yeah. That is very surprising. I agree. I agree. When this study was done in the 1960s, on average, kids could wait five minutes before they went for their marshmallow. Now, on average, they were waiting seven minutes. It is snack time now. I wait. I wait. He gave me two marshmallows. Now, we should say that the guys who did the original marshmallow study later tried to argue that waiting for your marshmallow meant you'd be more successful later in life, which is very controversial. But even now, lots and lots of researchers still use their marshmallow tests to measure instant gratification and self-control in kids. And in fact, recently, one review paper analysed 30 marshmallow tests that were done over the years. Just imagine all those kids waiting for their marshmallows. And they confirmed that, yes, kids are waiting longer and longer for their candy. Now, this marshmallow finding is pretty sweet. At least it looks like kids these days aren't turning into greedy little tyrants. But what about the other stuff that people are freaking out about? Like whether screen time can mess up how kids talk or understand language? Well, we dove through tons of studies about this. We were surprised but the research was all over the map. Like one study would say, yes, there's a link between screen time and language problems. Another study would say, no, and even that screens are great and kids can actually learn from screens. Yeah, you can find research showing that kids can learn from iPads and e-readers, but also just good old-fashioned television. I mean, I know that I learned a lot of new words from watching Sesame Street. What words? Do you re- or things do you remember oh. learning from Sesame Street? Well, I actually remember learning Spanish words from watching. Oh uh, my god, I was just <laughs> thinking that. Wait, what? You go first. Just the count sequence. That's what I really remember is learning like uno, dos, tres, like learning to count to ten in Spanish. Yeah, I learned there was that song that was like "Tu me gustas," that means I like you, and it's like I really like you, and then it's like "Me gustas tu." Yeah. So you learned that. Though. You learned that from Sesame Street. So what is going on here? How come Brenna and I are Spanish, um, como se dice, wunder kids, thanks to Sesame Street? But yet, some studies show that screens can be bad for kids and their language skills. Well, the answer is brought to you by the letter C. C. For caregiver. Because studies are finding that what really matters here is what caregivers are doing through all this. If you just leave kids to stare at screens on their own, they tend to do worse with language compared to if a caregiver, say, is talking them through what's happening, either on the telly or on an ebook. It's like a back and forth, back and forth. You know, if I'm reading a storybook and with my son and I say like, hey, look, there's a bear on that page. Do you remember when, um, you know, in the before times we went to the zoo and saw a bear and that kind of talk Screens are not screens. That's important. And just overall, we're not seeing evidence that with all these screens around, kids' brains are going to potty. Are we getting stupider? No. I mean, I don't think we are. I don't think that we are getting stupider. When it comes to IQ, in fact, in the US, kids' IQ scores have kept climbing up and up in past decades. 
Brenna gets asked a lot about the max amount of screen time that kids can have before their brains teeter-totter into soup. And top dogs in this space have tried to come up with some kind of cutoff point. But if you're asking for a magic number here, it's kind of the wrong question. Because more and more, the research is finding that it's not really about how much time your kid is spending staring at a screen, but rather what it's replacing. Like, would your kid otherwise be running around outside or playing with other kids? But also, what your kid is actually doing on the screen. You know, like screen media, they're not inherently good or bad. It's all about how they're used. It's okay that kids use screens and they're going to use them. So when it comes to the charge of screens rotting kids' brains, we're going to say not guilty. But does this change as we grow up? Because then our fears around screens start to shift. We're hearing that screens are giving us depression and making us lonely. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, this is the giant experiment. To find out what screen time is doing to our mental health, head over to our main feed and listen to our episode on screens. Just search for Science VS in Spotify, that's Science Versus, Science VS, and click on Screens. Are they ruining our brains and mental health and eyes and... Yes, that's actually what we called the episode. Go and find it at Science Versus. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. Back to you next time. <laughs> 